The Start On Demand. On demand. NFL quarterback Andrew Luck with the Indianapolis Colts retired over the weekend at age 29 and was booed out of the stadium by the fans. Philly from Power 97 weighs in as he sent out a passionate tweet over the weekend chastising those who dared criticize Luck for making this life-altering decision. Back to school anxiety as it pertains to food allergies. We'll speak with the nutless baker about her six-year-old son who has life-threatening nut and egg allergies. And the NDP once again attacking Brian Pallister for all the time he spends in Costa Rica. Question is, do you really care anymore? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Loren McNabb and a vacationing Greg Mackling. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, August 26th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, minus the McNabb. Greg is in San Diego visiting our buddy Scott Mortland, who's been here something like 12 times. Yes. But, it's crazy uh, how they this this guy who became a big Bomber fan and just happened to meet Greg as a result of all that yep. is now such good friends. So cool. But he's, So he's been up here, I don't know how many times, to see Bomber games and Jets games and hang out with Greg. But Greg has yet to go down to mm-hmm. see him in San Diego. So San Diego. The vacation he's been lamenting. I, I still feel like the way that he looked at the vacation is kind of a kind of a Debbie Downer well, sort of approach. He was saying that it would be sad to. He, he felt like it was going to be a sad week because it then means summer is over because it's the last week before school. Yeah. But he could not have picked a better week, I think, to be out of this province in the sense of summer doesn't it doesn't feel like summer out there anymore anyway. No. I think I texted you yesterday afternoon and was like, "Is it freaking fall already?" Or like. What? Yeah, and the for, the forecast is is kind of seasonal, but it still feels worse because Saturday was now Saturday, mind you, was kind of a lousy day because it was so windy, but it was hot and it got pretty muggy. And then yesterday was cold for a good chunk of the day, and then it kind of warmed up a little bit. And then the downpour was insane. I was at the Forks, actually bumped into our executive producer Heather Steele at the the Forks Common. Uh, because I was visiting an old friend and colleague, Matt Cardi, mm. who uh, name that our listeners might recall. He used to read the news here on 680 CJOB. He took a job out in Guelph a couple of years ago, and he's in town for a wedding. So I went to see him at the Forks, and I drove him back to his Airbnb in Wolseley, and th- and then I had to drive back to Transcona. So I don't know if I just happened to like find myself in the the heart of this particular storm around 7 o'clock, but the rain was unrelenting. I could barely see the entire drive home. I hate drives. like It's like a whiteout then. You're in a rain whiteout. Yeah, it was scary. And like I felt like I might I needed a hovercraft <laughs> to get through. There was one point where I was on uh, Arch- Archibald? Yeah, uh, Archibald head, heading towards that little underpass, and I was concerned... Am I going to be able to get through that? Because mm-hmm. the rain just on street level was just. 
just driving through these huge puddles. Yeah, lots of rain last night. More again this morning. I was telling you it wasn't the puddles that freaked me out this morning. I, I felt like I was in the like apocalyptic moment of frogs. <laughs> like I've never in my life, I'm driving down the road. And, and you know me, I've had a terrible time with wildlife this year. I've hit two deer, one recently just two weeks ago. So I'm like, can't, I'm very aware now, driving very slowly, tens, ten and two. I'm all tense. I see this frog jump in front of me and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Like that frog is playing Frogger. Yeah. Like the 1990 or 1980s Commodore 64 game. Yes. And I start laughing and then more come. And I slow down. There's one frog, then two, then three. And I kept yelling, ah, ah, because ah, I was just slaughtering those poor things. Like I felt terrible. And then this family of raccoons walked by and I was like, get me off this road already before I kill anymore. Like it was just a... Like a slaughterhouse. I felt terrible. Did you drive into Jumanji or something? I don't know. I mean, I get that frogs come out in the rain. I think that's what happens. I don't know where they were going. I don't know what was happening. I don't know why they needed to be so active at 3 a.m. But boy, there are a lot fewer frogs in my neck of the woods this morning because of me. Did you? Did was there any thought given to stopping to allow the frogs to cross the road? Well, it wasn't like they were, it wasn't like I just mowed through like thousands of them. It was one every ten feet or so okay. would just hop across. Oh, I slowed right down. But then I was like, what am I? And then there's a small part of me that's like, you know, you're in a movie scene, like yeah. the birds or something. And I thought, am I going to come? If I slow down too much, are there that many of them out there that will get me? <laughs> like, you know, just swarm the car. <laughs> like, just be swarmed like death by frogs. Like, they've been talking to the deer and they've been coming up with a plan to take down McNabb at like 3.30 in the morning. They just envelope your car. It's just one giant frog shell. <laughs> I was not happy. I was just so uncomfortable. I was like, get me off this highway. I was stuck on um, Reinders near Peguis uh, about a week ago. Traffic's not moving, and I'm screaming and yelling, why is this traffic not moving? It's because there was a gaggle of geese mm-hmm. just dawdling their way across the street. Just get out of my way, geese. I... I I, I know they're beautiful birds, but sure. they, I, I look at them like flying vermin. Plus, I just they're also dangerous. Like, you know, to come to a complete stop, there have been stories, right, of really terrible things have happened when someone stopped to let the geese cross and then that car behind you rear ends them, right? I mean, it's it's just not a, it's a safety hazard. Plus, I have found Canadian geese this time of year to be, use the word vermin. Like, I was down at the Fork Saturday as well, yep. and there's this whole sign saying, please do not feed the geese. And, of course, all these people are just ignoring it, checking bread into the water and they're like vicious and bread is bad for the birds is it yeah i think i can't remember the exact story and i don't know if it's for all birds but i'm pretty sure that uh sherry versus from the preferred perch told us that bread is bad because they can't it, it like messes with their digestive system or something like that so if you are going to feed birds don't feed them bread that's the, that I think, I think hmm. if, if you listening right now can confirm this for me, because I'm just going off the top of my head and I am not a, an animal expert in any way, I just don't feed the birds anything because I, especially geese, because I don't like you them. You don't like them. Get you, out of my way. So many wildlife questions this morning, Brett. We also. Frog have, questions, bird questions. And what, do we have one here? Bread, bread is bad. Is bad. It swells in their stomach. Hmm. Okay. Another text calls you, texter calls you Murder McNabb. Yeah, well, 
that person's not wrong. I've not I've not been kind to wildlife this year. I'm working on it. I, I am very conscious. I'm very aware. But I feel like I'm there's something of, I'm in the witching hour. Three thirty is terrible. And so we're going to talk a lot about uh, weather this morning. About the rain we got last night. More on the way. Is fall really here? We're also talking about vacations and Greg on vacation this week. And the question being raised again by the NDP about the amount of vacation time. Pallister takes. Uh, they did the math. 149 days over the last three years since he was elected have been spent in Costa Rica or traveling to Costa Rica. And so my question for listeners is, do you care that he's going to Costa Rica? Do you care that he's taking that much vacation time? Or do you just not care about this at all? Yeah. Is it the time or the location? Want to play something that happened in the NFL on Saturday. Chorus of boos, angry boos from Indianapolis Colts fans after the Colts lost 27-17 in preseason action to the Chicago Bears. But the fans weren't booing the loss. They were booing the team's star, Andrew Luck, who didn't even play in the game. They booed him as he was walking off the field, which prompted this tweet, Loren, from one of our colleagues, Phil Aubrey from Power Mornings with Philly Joe and Kirby on Power 97. This is what Philly wrote. In 2019, we talk about mental health wellness every day. Then, a man steps away from the ultimate dream job, and still, there are those who want to get inside his head and judge his decision based on what's best for him. When will we ever learn? Congrats on your courage, Andrew Luck. Now, Philly appears every morning at 10.30 with Jeff Courier for the Athletic Supporters Panel, but we borrowed him for this morning to talk about this. Philly, thank you very much for joining us today, sir. Why don't we start with a basic question for the non-sportsing types. Who is Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck is a generational quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. He's living the all-American dream. He's 29 years old, former first overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts. He's got it all. Uh, money for life. He's going to, you know, basically the, uh, the world in the palm of his hands. But... Uh, he's been through a lot in his life as far as injuries go in his professional career. So abruptly, over the weekend, at 29 years old, he announced his retirement. And whenever something like this happens, it sends shockwaves through the sports world and really just uh, through pop culture as well because everybody wants to know why. Like, what what's going on with a 29-year-old guy who is living the dream that he up and retires from football out of nowhere? So then we find out a little more um, because, and it was an interesting situation the way it all shook down over the weekend because he was, he was, uh, his team was playing a preseason game at home and the news broke. He wasn't playing, but he was on the sideline because he's dealing with another injury, but the news broke, he's on the sideline. And so all the fans in the stadium know that their superstar, their favorite player, uh, their franchise quarterback has, is going to announce his retirement tomorrow at a press conference. So as he's walking off the field, he, a segment of the fans start booing him, which also sent shockwaves to the sports world because, like, Andrew Luck, like, you know, why don't you at least wait to hear his story on why he's quitting uh, when he's uh, theoretically in the prime of his career. So, anyway, uh, and I'll say this, the vast majority of certainly former pro athletes were incredibly supportive of his decision. A lot of media were incredibly uh, supportive of his decision. Um but essentially, in the press conference uh, that he had, so he had to address the issue right after the game. He couldn't wait. He basically said, 
it's not fun for me anymore. I've dealt with so many injuries, um, and I actually have a list of them here if you want. These are the injuries Andrew Luck has dealt with in the past six seasons. Torn cartilage in two ribs, partially torn abdomen, a lacerated kidney that leaves him peeing blood, at least one concussion, a torn labrum in his shoulder, uh, in his throwing shoulder, and then he's got he's dealing with a, a calf injury now that's held him out of the preseason. So he basically said after the game, it's not fun for me anymore. I'm not having fun. This is I'm I'm constantly in pain. I have a child on the way. Uh, he's married. I just it's 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 not it's not, I'm not in a good place with football. And I knew I had to change something. It's like injury rehab, injury rehab pain, injury rehab pain. I'm not a NFL fan. I'm a CFL fan, yeah. but I was paying attention over the weekend to this because of the impact on social media and all the different reactions yeah. we saw. And you used words like hero and an icon and this this uh, franchise quarterback for the team. And yet the booze was what was startling. Yeah. And yet and, and also people. There might have been a lot of people defending him, but so many people questioning the timing and why now? Yeah. And couldn't you have done this six months ago? Yeah. And you had an interesting response to that because. Uh, it came down to you about mental health as well. Well, yeah. For me, it comes down to this is a guy who has the courage to stand up there and say, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not in a good place and I need to make a change. And I think, and then you hear words like soft being used and uh, that one media member used a classic millennial, you know, uh, too, too soft to battle through injuries. And I just thought to myself, you know, here we are in 2019. We beg of people, if you're not in a good place, whether you're a welder, a lawyer, or a brain surgeon, or whatever it is, if you're not in a good place, please talk to us. Let us know. Make a change. Do what you have to do to get yourself better get yourself in a better place make sure you're happy because life it's short we all know that and you don't we don't want to get into a rut where we're keeping things to ourselves like uh, make the changes and I just I I couldn't commend him enough for having the courage because he's look if you're going to hear about something like this it's going to you know what I mean the more famous you are the more you're going to get the backlash he's a hero these fans in Indianapolis they love him and so he knew this is not going to be a popular decision among a lot of people but I need to make the change. And I just think in society, we have to get to a place where, you know, what do I know about what's going on in his head? If he's not happy and he needs to make a change, whether whatever he does for a living, good on you. And that's how I felt about it, you know. Kind of curious about his payout. How does that work now that he's retired? The the Colts aren't going to go demanding money back from him and everything like that. They reached a settlement, but he's certainly leaving, like the amount of money he's leaving on the table. He has... You know, theoretically, at least if he wants to keep playing six, seven, eight years, if he wanted to keep playing, we're talking about a $30 million a year quarterback. So the money he's leaving on, I and mean, he's made enough money, he's clearly handled his money well to be able to make this decision and walk away. But still, he's leaving a lot of money on the table, which stunned a lot of people as well. But might show you how much pain he was in. Yeah. If you leave it to that last second and you leave money, no one, no one, no matter how rich you are, People don't leave money on the table. They don't walk away from it. So it must have been a real struggle for him. You could see it in his face. You could see the pain in his face about how... I mean, this is a guy who's probably been a prodigy since he was 10 years old. his whole life. Whole life has been get up in the morning, grab the football, go out to the field, um, and play. And all of a sudden, here he is in front of the whole world saying, "It's I don't enjoy it anymore. It's not fun for me, and I need to quit in the prime of my career. Do you think that was easy for this guy? I mean, the friends, the coaches, everybody who's got him to this point, and yet he had the courage to say, I need to step away because it's, it's not doing it for me anymore. And I applaud him like for having, and I think we need to look at that and say, 
I hope more people can learn from that and say, if you're not happy in what you're doing, don't be afraid to make a change. Philly from Philly, Joe and Kirby. Power Mornings on Power 97. You can catch more with Philly this morning at 1030. He appears every Monday morning at 1030 with Jeff Courier on the Athletic Supporters Panel talking about Andrew Luck, NFL quarterback with the Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck, who has retired at age 29. And people booed him when they learned the news because they found out during the game the word spread through the stands and then he immediately made the announcement official afterwards. So up next, we're going to talk about quitting. Have you ever quit something before you wanted to or before your time? And uh, we've learned that some of our colleagues are lamenting some of the things that they have left behind in the past. Loren's got a little smirk on her face. Do you well, have- this one is the story I'm going to tell is like it still embarrasses me to this day. It's more of a moment where I quit something. Okay. You know, like a, I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's my, we'll go down as my mom's one of our most embarrassing mom moments. So, oh my God. I on my behalf. I can't wait to hear this. Stand by. It's coming up. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling is away in San Diego. We had a conversation in our previous segment about NFL quarterback Andrew Luck with the Indianapolis Colts, who retired over the weekend at age 29, and he was booed by the fans when they learned what happened. How, how dare you retire, even though he is in a cycle of injury and pain, and he is not enjoying football anymore, and he doesn't want to do it anymore, so he retired. So that got us thinking, have we ever quit? Have you ever quit something before you wanted to? Quit before your time. So we've... Rounded up the troops here. Jeff Braun is here, Cameron Poitras, Kyle Milroy, alongside McGarry and McNabb. And I, I got an old McNabb story. What was your story, McNabb? Well, this isn't, I feel this is not in the same context of quitting something major like the quarterback did. But I was really into piano growing up, loved playing the piano, took a lot of classical music lessons, and also went into competitions. Like, I think it was grade nine or 10. I had one local competition, then a branding competition, and you get to the provincials and you memorize the song, and it's a five or six page song, and you're supposed to have it in memory so you can have the sheets in front of you. Oh boy. And you get up on this big stage at the concert hall, I think it, it was in Brandon, and it's a grand piano. My mom's there. She, my grandma's there because she's super proud of me. For the record, my mom hated these kinds of things because they stressed her out. Like, as a mom, when you're watching your kid, go through something you just don't you're you're happy for them but you're also like oh my gosh please just please just get through this and so what happens i get up there i play right to the very end with the exception i get to like the last three bars in the song so it's like the ending and i just blinked like i just had nothing left like i was like play along and then i stop and go that's it i'm done and i got up and i left and everybody is just like what is she doing? And my mom's head's in her hand. She's like, oh, my gosh. And my grandma's like, that is just, this was just embarrassing to be a part of this. And I still, to this day, cannot figure out what was going on that would just have me quit like that. But I quit. I got. I didn't even try. I was just like, nope. Should have just done a... Dun, 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 dun. I should have done dad's hands or something. Yeah. Like, I just pushed the piano bands back and was like, see you later, judges. Like, I'm out. I was so at least you got through it. I had to do a piano competition, and I was terrible at piano. And I just sat there, and I couldn't remember how it started. I just <laughs> sat there for like a minute, and then I was like, I need the the music, and I had to go get it. 
And then I fumbled my way through it, and then I won because I was the only one in my <laughs> particular category. So I still got a trophy at the end of the thing. <laughs> wow. That was the least earned trophy anyone's ever got. Participation. Yeah. Cam Poitras. Um, I, I was working uh, at a province for a long time, and um, uh, I had one really, really bad Thanksgiving when I was working at radio stations and stuff like that. And I'd run really bad Thanksgiving in, in October. And I just said, I was sitting there by myself in October. I had no one else around me. And I was just like, I've had enough of this. So I kind of said to myself, like, I started planning on coming back to Winnipeg and being with family and friends like that. So I just, uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's quitting or something like that or, or anything like that. It was just kind of me kind of just coming to, you know, putting it all together. I'd been gone for six and a half years. I was just like, you know, I just, I miss home. I miss all the stuff. I can't uh, I can't deal with, you know, being by myself all the time and constantly being alone and lonely and that kind of stuff. You you make friends outside. You, you do make friends, but you can't replace the people that you've you can't replace family mm-hmm. and you can't replace um friends you've had your entire life, the people that like become your family because you've known them for so long. So, I I, w- I would say that. Like I could have I could have stuck it out there and I I had good things coming on the horizon there, but uh, it, it just it wasn't worth it anymore. The hardest part about quitting sometimes, whether it's a job or you think of this quarterback who yeah. quit the Colts, is that other people question your decision, but you're sometimes you're okay with it. Like you're yeah. good with your decision, but everyone else is like, well, what? You have a great job, or you're making good money, or yeah. why are you doing that, right? And that becomes very hard to have to validate why yeah. you're doing it. And I, I had nothing left. I had nothing else. Nothing left to give. You know what I mean? Like it was just. I just. I'd had enough. I was sitting there, and I had my. I made myself a turkey dinner by myself, and I was just sitting there looking at. It. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And um, yeah, that that was kind of something like that for me. And, you know, and I went to talk to, I eventually had every, I lined up everything for, for a couple of months and I ended up coming back in, in, uh, in April of the, the following year. And, uh, yeah, I just went into my boss's office and just had a really candid conversation with him about it. And, you know, I got emotional cause I, I, I love the people I worked with. I, I enjoyed my time there. I really did. But at some point it was, it was time to come back home. So, wow, that's really deep. Yeah. Well, Jeff That's Braun, true. I think. Less deep. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only thing that even comes to mind is when I was a kid and I quit hockey. I played for two years when I was like nine or ten. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought if I told my parents I want to quit that they'd yell at me or whatever, call me a quitter. You can't quit, blah, blah, blah. But so I got I was gathered up my courage one day and went up to my mom. She's in the kitchen. I was like, Mom. Can I quit hockey? And she was thrilled. She's like, you don't have to play hockey if you don't. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, you know, it costs them money. They didn't even come watch me play because, as my dad put it years later, like, you were an embarrassment to us. <laughs> He's like, you'd hold your stick upside down and put your helmet on backwards and be like all waka waka on the ice. And he's like, so they just, dropped me off the, just dropped me off at the door and in I went. That is the best. And I, I hated it so much. It was so cold. My feet were always cold. And yeah. That just wasn't any fun. Did you have socks on? Why are your feet cold? I don't know. They just were. Melroy, you got something? Um, You know what? I forgot about this until you asked me. And I actually was, I played football until grade nine. And then I was just like, okay. I guess I'm done with this. And I never I never regretted it. I more just have the, the thought experiment of what my life would be like if I kept doing it. Like if I'd be a lot less sort of right-brained than I am if I kept playing football. But I never once really regretted it. It's just kind of a neat thing to go, hmm, where would I be? Like who would my friends be 
what would I be doing with my life if I kept playing football all through high school instead of just, you know, joined a punk band and some other stuff that I did. So, yeah. <laughs> you did? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's taking me a whole other place yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For when I was almost all through high school, just in like a band with <laughs> some of my friends. It was well, fun. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. Here's one text we'll read before we get out here. After some discussion with others during coffee break, I returned to the office and addressed my supervisor with, try to convince me not to quit. He responded with a desperate sounding, um... Please don't quit. Good effort, I exclaimed and signed off and walked out the door. There was a pub downstairs from the office, so I went down for a drink. Before the end of the evening, I had a job at the pub. (laughs) Text message at 204-780-6868. This is not... Lousy weather. Being a farmer, the pastures are dry. The hay is poor, and we needed this rain since it hasn't rained in two months. Sometimes we need a good rain for the trees and grass to grow also. It's not always about city folks. Wow. Turning, making this uh, a city versus not city thing. Well, hey, even as a farmer's daughter, I grew up in a farm, and you were so cognizant of the weather and whether you needed the rain or you needed it to be dry. But I now am, I will admit to being that city folk who was thinking over the weekend, come on. What is up with this forecast? So I appreciate that listener uh, writing that in, but I think I can put on both brains. Well, no one, and, and when we talked about it earlier, no one suggested this was uh, bad for everybody. And uh, Dave Carlson from Environment Canada made the comment, I'm not sure how those who are farming right now think about this, uh, but now clearly we have we know what they're thinking. But we want to talk about the forecast in general with David Phillips, who is the Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada, joining us now on 680 CJOB. David Phillips, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Loren. So is summer over? What's going on? (laughs) Well, you know, this is just uh, a little interlude. You're right. I mean, that precipitation is is good for everybody. And, you know, I heard a lot of complaints this year from people in Winnipeg, the fact that the precipitation wasn't there. I mean, sometimes when it's very dry, like it had been up to uh, up to about July, um, you know, foundations were shifting and cracking because that's what happens in the kind of soil that you have. So I think uh, precipitation is good for urban and rural people. I don't know about the farmers in terms of, you know, the, the harvest is beginning. You're right about the hay crop. that This is a good soaking that will help that along. But uh, they're getting going now. They don't want to be mired in muck. And, uh, and we certainly think over the next week, uh, my gosh, some, some gorgeous weather coming up from Wednesday on. I see nothing but sunshine and uh, temperatures that, hey, it's, it's what I call free energy time. You don't need your air conditioning on. You don't need your heat on. And, uh, and so this is uh, typically what you see in, uh, in September. Now, in terms of the long term, I mean, it's not necessarily looking that good. I've looked at the American models and the Canadian models, the American models are saying cooler and wetter in September, and uh, and the Canadian models are saying a little bit more uncertain. We're not as sure, but they seem to favor that cooler and wetter. But you know, guys, the, the sun is just uh, not as bright. You're losing about three and a half minutes a day. It's not as high in the sky, so hard to get that intensity. But I don't think you should write the obituary on summery-like weather yet. I mean, it's not going to be, I think it's rare to get a 30 degrees and above, but it can be certainly comfortable, and uh, and that's how I think it's going to play out for most of September. You normally get the first frost in September, but one out of every seven years, you don't get a frost, but uh, hey, it's, so it's typically, that's what happens in September. It's the transition season, but uh, I wouldn't really write a summary like weather over quite yet. 
Well, I think that's part of the problem. It's this mindset of shifting from summer to fall. And as I was complaining yesterday to Brett over text, I then went and looked at the the forecast and I looked at what the averages are for this time of year. And we're not that far off of it. It's a slightly cooler, but it's not like it was completely abnormal. I think it was 23 yesterday and the average is 20 or 21 or something to that effect. And so I think it's more about shifting our brain to the fact that this is just what's happening, even if you're not ready for it. Lauren, you're absolutely right. When you look at the temperature, the drop in temperature between, say, July and August in Winnipeg is typically about one degree. The drop in temperature from August to September is more like six degrees. So, you know, we we know the inevitable is coming, but we've had a good summer. I mean, my gosh, I think the, I'm not maybe that's the gold medal for summers in Winnipeg, but this has been every month, it's been a little warmer than normal. You've had fewer days with uh, rain. I mean, in the province of Manitoba, I think there's been maybe three tornadoes. I mean, one kind of fair-sized one, other three just kind of little guys. Well, when it, I mean, uh, Alberta's had 18 of those suckers. So the severe weather hasn't been there. You've been uh, every month, as they say, a little warmer, a little drier, but yet it hasn't been a drought, drought, drought. So my sense is, uh, hey, if you're complaining about the fact that things are cooling off a little bit in September, hey, people might accuse you of being greedy. You know, you've had it pretty good. So you say August was warmer than usual. It was, you know, uh, it, it was about, I, I would say it was normal. Like, I mean, the average temperature was uh, about 19 degrees. The normal high would be about 18.8. So it's about a fraction of degree. But the daytime highs were warmer. The night times were a little cooler than normal. So that tells you that, hey, a good sleeping weather at night. But during the day, walking out there around Portage and Maine and what have you, I mean, temperatures averaged in August about a degree warmer than normal. You had four days where the temperature got above 30. I mean, as high as 33 degrees. So, hey, for those people who like it hot and humid, they, they really had nothing to complain about. So my sense is that uh, unlike some areas in Canada, they're still looking for summer, um, and some have had too much. It's been the Goldilocks of summers for you guys. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, joining us live this morning on 680 CJOB. David, thank you as always, sir. You're so welcome, guys. Bye-bye now. Here's a question for you and our listeners. Do you check the sheets when you go into, when you check into a hotel? Do you rip the sheets off, look for bed bugs or, I don't know, dirty sheets or stains or anything like that? I don't rip the sheets off, but I do kind of do just a quick sort of cursory inspection because I know friends, uh, my friends actually, they went to a hotel in Winnipeg, I don't want to say which one, for their their wedding night Hmm. and they had to leave because they found bed bugs. Wow. And it was like a fairly new hotel. Well, I don't think the age of the hotel necessarily has much to do with it. It can be a whole host of factors. But the reason why we're asking this question this morning, because that's what an expert is recommending, that you actually check the sheets for bed bugs and other things, uh, because it can and does happen frequently. This is all because a Winnipegger recently shared her story about what she's calling her bed bug infested nightmare. Here's Global's Merrick Takash. For one Winnipeg woman, it's been two weeks of thoroughly searching through all the beds in her house for bed bugs after spending just one night at the Falcon Lake Hotel. After one hour, I was, I was feeling something itchy on my skin. Raj, who requested we protect her identity, says they had booked two nights at the hotel through Expedia. 
but were told upon checking in at the hotel, they would only be able to accommodate them for one night. He said, we are unable to provide you two nights. It should be only one. Uh, my and husband you, was... And you were booked for two. Yeah. Just after midnight, Raj and her husband turned on the light and found out both of their beds were filled with bugs. They immediately called the front desk. He said, oh, it's a bed bug. Don't worry. Don't worry. Not a problem. We can change the sheets. I said, what kind of sheet? I don't want when I stay in this room. Oh, sorry. Unfortunately, we don't have another option for you guys. No, these are all brand new beds. We literally just got these in, so they probably came in on these beds. Raj says she was refused another room and drove back to Winnipeg. She adds they've been trying to get a refund since August 2nd, something the hotel says it's been working on. They got offered compensation and they did get offered a room move and they were never told they could only stay one night. This was booked by Expedia on Expedia's rooms, so like there was tons of availability to move people around. And as for the bed bugs? There was a few. Uh, we called the pest control companies down for this one here. It, combat pest control is one that ended up dealing with that one. Okay. Uh, there was nothing substantial in the room. The hotel told Global News it's began the process of offering a refund through Expedia, but Raj says none of her calls have been returned. Merrick Takash, Global News. This is a lousy situation for this woman. Yeah, it's pretty awful because I have been to a hotel overseas and received what I think were bed bug bites and, oh. it, and it is really a just gross I mean for lack of a better word but you're itchy and you're worried about your health after that and so that is just it can be so disgusting and that ha that happened in a situation where I wasn't surprised because of where I was and the kind of hotel I was in it was you know you're, you're on the cheap so to speak younger days not spending a lot of money in a hotel so I'm not expecting like a prize place but it's also we've heard over the years like this is a big issue for Winnipeg bed bugs are, are on the rise you're seeing more and more of them in different apartment complexes and all those kinds of things and so to go on vacation, it's one thing in your home, that's terrible, but then to go away and also not expect that happen is equally frustrating. Well, and, and also the fact that it's she's been trying to get a refund since August 2nd. Mm -hmm. like what is, what's the holdup on that? Just issue the refund. Well, I wonder, part of the problem, and if you've ever booked through like a third-party site like Expedia or Kayak, or they'll, you know, the hotel will tell you, well, that's their problem, not yours. The hotel could, in good just as a goodwill gesture, I suppose, give the money. But having had problems with other hotels in the past, even just with cancellations or, you know, you requested a certain type of room and you didn't get it. Well, that was, you did that through that website. You didn't do it through us. So you'll have to call them. Yeah, that's fair. And as well with bed bugs, you talked about the, the amount of bed bugs in Winnipeg. And I, I don't know if this had anything to do with bed bugs, but in my previous apartment complex on Cordon, I lived there for five years and I bet you... Once every couple of months, there would be a mattress sitting beside the garbage cans. And I always wondered, is that because it's bed bugs or is that because it's just an old beat up mattress? But I thought that like there's a lot of old beat up mattresses that come out of these buildings. And I, it always scared me. Is it bed bugs? And I would then I would my reaction would, would always be to go inside and make sure that my place is clean. I would check my bed to see if there are bed bugs. Uh, but uh, there's also two. And I, I, I guess I'm kind of falling on the sword here and admitting this. I think there are times where I'll 
kind of inspect. Right. But I won't fully inspect because I'm scared. You almost don't want to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, now what am I going to do if I find these things in there? And here's an article from globalnews.ca just from earlier this year is that Winnipeg sits as the second highest city in Canada with bed bugs, which are commonly found in mattresses, like you mentioned, Brett, and seat cushions. So the top 10 cities were Toronto, then Winnipeg, then St. John's. So your odds of finding them, it sounds like, are quite high. Yeah. This is why I live just south of the city. This is what I'll tell people. That you live south of the city because to avoid the, the bed bugs. Yeah, because they, they, they hit the perimeter and they can't get past it. <laughs> it's just a barrier. Because they can't figure out the light system there because there aren't any and there's no overchanges. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to stay inside the perimeter. Bed bugs want to be in the city, not outside. That's what's happening. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. In just over one week, kids will be going back to school. Now, while that day comes with a lot of excitement for many kids and their parents, there are also plenty of reasons to worry. Did you get everything on their supply list? Are they ready for the next challenge? And just what will you pack in their lunches every day? For some moms and dads, that last question really goes beyond their own child's lunch. They're also worrying about what other parents are sending their kids to school with every day, what they might have eaten in the morning. Alison McGill lives in Killarney, and her six-year-old lives with a life-threatening allergy to peanuts and eggs. His allergies have not only prompted her to start a nut and egg-free bakery, but also a blog. And here's the section of one of her most recent entries. Allison writes, I don't want to be that mom, but here's the truth. Food could potentially kill my son, and that is why I need you. I need you to protect my child when I can't be there for him. I need you to be aware of the food you eat, wash your hands before coming into contact with my son, or the toys he may play with. I need you to not give him kisses, share water bottles, or even food, because even the smallest amount of food could send my son's body into survival mode. She goes on to write, this is why I need you. And this is why we need Allison to join us this morning to explain more on this, because it's a big topic for parents. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. He's just six years old. That's a lot to put on a little kid. How do you prepare him for this time of year going into grade one with, uh, you know, wanting him to have some fun, but also making him aware of what he needs to be aware of? Oh, my goodness. Um, For him, back to school is both a time of excitement and a little bit of nervousness because he, at this age, he is starting to comprehend what it means to have food allergies, right? But like you said, he is just a kid. Um, He has moments where he is a little impulsive and wants to take risks. So really just helping him to understand what it means to come in contact with peanuts or eggs. And egg is in everything, um, which makes our job that much more difficult. Um, We have lots of conversations with him. We talk about what he would do if he started to feel sick. Um, But we also talk about him needing to share his experiences and his understanding of food allergies with others because we definitely need everybody to help him keep him safe. You wrote in that post, wash your hands before coming into contact with my son. What happens when your son simply comes into contact with nuts or eggs? Um, For Grady, if he comes into contact with his hands, he'll most likely get hives. Um, What our big concern is and why hand washing is so important, though, is kids will still touch their mouths, touch their faces. And if he ever ingests any of the protein from egg or peanut, that's when things can get very serious for him. And he can go into an anaphylactic reaction, which is what we don't want, um, because then we have to administer an EpiPen, call 911, and away he goes to to the hospital. So. 
Want to, mm-hmm. I want to tell you, as a mom of a, a six-year-old myself who has a peanut and tree nut allergy, I teared up reading some of your posts because I get it. I really, really get it. And, you know, some of your words were that until he can handle his allergy, allergies himself, I need you. I need you to help him stay safe in the very real and sometimes scary world. And I'm curious why you started this blog, because I know for myself, it's not just about educating your kid. You, ha- you have to ask other people to help you out. And that's sometimes yeah. even scarier. It is because what I've found, and for us too, when your child is first diagnosed with a, a food allergy, you have to be an immediate expert. And that is so overwhelming. And I know when we first started, we just, we were so scared, right? Because you live in a world where food isn't an issue until your kid is diagnosed with a food allergy. And you don't truly understand it until you live in that world. Um, so we threw responsibility on so many people because we were trying to figure it out ourselves and you do panic. And what I have realized through this journey and why I started this blog and everything was that the more people understand what we're going through, the more that they understand our fears, the anxieties and the seriousness, the more we actually do need people to jump in and join us to keep our child safe because we're interacting in a world that isn't safe, right? There's peanuts and eggs everywhere and we just need people to understand what we're going through because I do find that sometimes until you live it, you truly don't understand. I wanted to ask, you know, do you get pushback from some parents? Because I think people are pretty used to now, the nuts has been pretty common for years in schools, you know, keeping nuts out of schools. But you you hear all the time people say, well, what's going on, you know, with all these allergies and now I can't have eggs and now I can't have dairy and now I can't have oranges or whatever that gets added to the list. And, And people seem to sometimes push back and are upset about it as opposed to thinking of the other side? Yeah, definitely. We've had both sides. We've had parents um, that are absolutely supportive that tell us that Grady is more important than the food served, and they've been very open with what they're sending their kids for lunches. They'll check in with me and ask questions. But we've also had the other side where definitely I've had people say, well, it's not like he's eating it, or what's the big deal, right? Like They don't understand that food allergies are a life-threatening condition right? That they're not just going to get a little hive, a mosquito bite and go on their way. And what I find too is one of the questions that people often ask me is, well, how bad is it? Right? They don't understand that, well, just because my child maybe had a mild reaction one time doesn't mean that the next time it's going to be the same, right? Reactions are unpredictable and symptoms are unpredictable. And I just find that sometimes people just don't understand that. Um, And so the comments that they can say maybe aren't meant to be insensitive, but they do come across that way. Um, We've had people think that the EpiPen is the solution without understanding that it's really only the mechanism to get our child um, from wherever they are to the hospital for further um, evaluation and and monitoring. Um, And it's just getting that across to people that this is serious and to you a peanut butter sandwich or a hard-boiled egg is just another food that your child will eat, but to my child, it could kill them. When did you find out that he had this allergy? Um, when Grady was two, we actually discovered right after his second birthday that he was allergic to peanuts, and then about a, nine months later, we discovered he was allergic to egg. Um, and at the time, it was both raw egg and baked egg. So he actually had an anaphylactic reaction during a food challenge to baked egg, and it was the most terrifying experience of my life. I had to administer the EpiPen. Um, He had no clue what was going on. He was crying, obviously, because he was scared. And mommy was sticking him with this big needle. And yeah, it was horrible. Just something I never wish parents to go through. 
It's a, it's a hard one to even imagine having to administer that EpiPen on your own. Uh, I can't imagine having to go through it once, let alone worrying about it happening again, Allison. If yeah. there's one thing we take away from this, what's, what do you want other moms and dads to hear this morning? And, and teachers, too. Um, well, actually, I'm a teacher myself as well. Um, so what I just want people to understand is that when we are asking them to keep certain foods out of the classroom or the school, when we're asking them to make sure that they're diligent at washing their hands or we're drilling them for their next birthday party, like what are you serving? Um, It's not that we're trying to micromanage things. It's not that we're trying to helicopter parent our kids or be dramatic. It's just that there's a real concern about our child's safety and we're trying to be able to help prepare our own kids for whatever they're going to, right? Whether it be a birthday party or just a school, right? Something that should be so simple. Um, We just want them to know that we're trying our best as allergy parents to keep our kids safe and that we don't mean to inconvenience people. I got it. And I think, I hope other people are listening to Allison. Allison is a mom of a six-year-old with a life-threatening allergy to peanuts and eggs, but she's doing a pretty bang-up job with her blog, The Nutless Baker, and her bakery to try to raise awareness around this issue. Allison, Miguel, thank you. Thank you. Well, we want to start this hour with the subject of our question of the day, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Wab Canoe and the NDP are attacking Brian Pallister again for his 100-plus days of vacation time in Costa Rica since elected. What is your take? And so far at cjob.com, the results are... 50% say, doesn't bother me at all. 31.25% say the amount of time bothers me. And 18.75% say the out-of-country location bothers me. Of course, the location we're talking about is Costa Rica. The NDP yesterday said they have done the math and they've added it up and that over the past three years, they say Brian Pallister has spent 128 days in that country. They also say that because you can't get too Costa Rica on a direct flight that there's also been travel time. So by their math, Brian Pallister, since elected, has spent 146 days in travel to Costa Rica. As we know, his wife, he and his wife have owned a home there for about 10 years now. And here's what NDP leader Wab Canoe had to say about that time. Five months, over three years. Yeah, I think Manitobans... uh should think about whether they want a premier who's taking five months off over a three-year term. Well, there's a meth issue in our streets, a health care crisis in our hospitals, and uh, potentially economic troubles ahead. Your question of the day, our question of the day, I think poses our next to our next guest as well, Brett, about whether or not you, you care about this, whether it's about the time or whether it's about the place. Is it just that he's going out of country or is this an issue for you at all? They tried this in the last election, so we want to ask Curtis Brown, principal with Probe Research, whether or not there's any traction using an in- issue like this. Good morning, Curtis. Buenos dias, how are you? We're good. <laughs> the The issue for people might be the time it might be the location or might be a non-issue at all is there staying power with this one it's one of those things that manitobans we asked a couple years ago how they felt about this and manitobans are actually somewhat split on it uh so we asked about whether or not it was acceptable or unacceptable that the premier take five to eight weeks a year at his home in costa rica and at that time we found 50 percent said it's acceptable 47 percent said unacceptable three percent weren't had didn't have an opinion um, and not, I mean, this, this will shock you, but uh, people who are more likely to be NDP liberal supporters are more likely to have a problem with the amount of time that he was spending down there. And uh, Tory supporters were much more likely to uh, say that it was okay. So 
I, I don't know about this. I think it's one of those things that um, certainly, I mean, there's, there's going to be, uh, you know, people who are supporters of the different parties are going to have their opinions of, you know, based on, you know, how they feel about Mr. Pallister. And maybe that's what the NDP are talking about a little bit. But I guess really, you know, really the, the key question in this election will be people who are maybe uh, leaning towards the conservatives who, um, you know, uh, voted, you know, large numbers of them might have voted PC in the past and may not be, uh, you know, super, super thrilled with Brian Pallister. This may be something where the NDP is trying to uh, make this a bit more of an issue to them. Well, we're just looking at our poll results. We mentioned our question of the day at cjob.com, and as of a moment ago, it was split. And now, just in the last couple of minutes, it's shot up to 65%, say, doesn't bother me at all. And that's kind of the similar result on our Twitter poll and on Facebook. Obviously, our polls are just very quick, kind of snapshot in time. Things are not official scientific polls. But so far, it looks like people uh, are leaning more towards doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that may, may be an organized thing. You know, the, the other thing is, um, you know, the other thing that's interesting is that, you know, you talk about the, the, the place. I mean, that may be a bit of an issue. Um, but, but the amount of time is, you know, is, is definitely something that, uh, that, that people are, you know, do take into account. I mean, we asked people, I think Mr. Canoe talked about this in his press conference yesterday, about, you know, just the amount of time. What is an acceptable amount of time for a premier to be away? And it tended to be um, the majority of people said it was under under four weeks a year uh so anywhere from like you know three and ten people saying one to two weeks a year is fine another 40 percent saying three to four weeks is fine uh but really you know you only get about uh, a quarter of people saying that you know any, anything over five weeks is kind of okay with them and again this is probably contextual it was more likely to be people who are tory supporters who are more likely to say that uh taking more than five weeks is okay the time might be an issue i've often wondered if he if he took that time at a cottage in the white shell would you know would somebody be upset about that is it the place is it the amount of time or is it just about a personal attack at this stage in that campaign two separate texts right now from two different listeners one saying he's more concerned about Wobb's criminal past than he is about where Pallister spends his vacation and another one saying well Pallister's been attacking uh, Wobb Canoe on his record while most Manitobans aren't spending five months in Costa Rica so it seems to be a personal issue that's going to pit these two against one another once again. Yeah, you know, and it feels like the the gloves have come off a little bit in the last few days. I mean, there there's this issue. Uh, it has you know has become a little bit more personal, obviously, with the uh, the NDP attacking uh, Mr. Pallister, and uh, at the same time, Mr. Pallister's comments on Friday about uh, his upbringing versus Wad Canoe and who had a tougher uh, was uh, you know uh, something as well. And I, I'm I'm curious to see you know as we go into the week with the leaders' debates uh, whether this is going to continue, whether it is going to get a little bit more personal, a little bit more. Uh, you know, blow the belt a little bit, uh, or if, uh, you know, or because up to this point, I think really there was a lot more focus on issues and talking about like the issues that are, that Manitobans are concerned about. It just seems to be getting a little bit more personal as we head into the final stretch of the campaign. Curtis Brown is a principal with Probe Research, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Curtis, thank you very much for this. Thank you. My pleasure. Gary and McNabb, Macklin's away this week. Jeff Braun is here, co-host of the Couch Potatoes. For those who might not know this music, Jeff Braun, what is this? This is the theme song to Breaking Bad, one of the finest television shows of the last 10 years. Loren, did you watch Breaking Bad? Just this year. I powered through all whatever seasons. How many seasons was that? Eight? Six, Six, I think. In like three weeks. Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah. Jeff, uh, for those who maybe are unfamiliar with the show, can you offer like a synopsis? What's Breaking Bad about? Uh, It's about a chemistry teacher who gets diagnosed with cancer and in an effort to fund his medical bills and leave his family in good shape, he becomes uh, a 
producer of crystal meth because he's a chemist, so he knows how to do it. And he, uh, but he doesn't know the street side of it, so he picks up this young kid who is dumber than he would have initially thought. And together they get into the drug business and they get in way over their heads, and uh, it goes on from there. Yeah, and it's just it was outstanding. It was on for was it I guess technically six seasons, but over the course of seven or eight years. Yeah. Something like, well, the first season, though, was only six episodes. That barely counts. Okay. So they've been talking for a couple of years now about doing a Breaking Bad movie because the series ended, God, when did that end already? 2013, I think. Has it been that long? Twenty, Yeah, September 29th, 2013. So they've had a, since had a spinoff series called Better Call Saul, which is about this greaseball lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> and it's kind of the prequel story. It's about how Saul... Goodman became that guy, but they've been talking about doing a movie for a couple of years, and we knew that uh, that Aaron Paul had signed on as Jesse Pinkman, and we believe Brian Cranston may or may not be involved. But then, what did Bob Odenkirk, the man who plays Saul Goodman, what did he reveal last week? That, I don't know that uh, the movie had been oh, shot. that they'd already done it. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, he just and- out of nowhere said, "Yeah, the movie's already done." And there have been no details on this thing. That, yeah, because there was just speculation that it might happen, and now it's done and ready to go. Yeah. But so. it's not, it's it's just because the show's so far in the past at this point already, it just was on top of mind. No one is thinking about mm, it, right? I guess. So. One, one of the things I had, having watched, because of things like Netflix, you can get back into the series, or you can start watching them when you miss them completely, which was my case with Breaking Bad. And so by the end of that series, I hated the one character, the chemistry teacher. He just drove me nuts. But I was really rooting for that dumb drug dealer, Jesse. (laughs) And so it's kind of nice to see there's a movie because I'm curious to see in their minds where they take that character. Well, over the weekend, so after the news last week that the movie had been shot, Netflix revealed its date announcement trailer for something called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Here's that trailer. I don't know what to tell you I said like 500 times already. I have no idea where he is. Don't know where he's headed either. North, south, west, east, Mexico, the moon. I don't have a clue. But yo, even if I did, who wouldn't tell you? Because I've been watching the news, same as everybody else. I've seen that little cage of his they kept him in. I heard about what all they did to him to make sure he kept cooking. So sorry. I don't know what to tell you. No way I'm helping you people put Jesse Pinkman back inside a cage. So we don't really learn much about what's going to what's going to happen in the movie, but it was pretty cool. What was the name of that character, Jeff? That's Skinny Pete. I would have preferred, uh, uh, instead of this movie, I would have rather just a spinoff series of The Adventures of Badger and Skinny Pete. Because <laughs> that would have been fun. That's right. I forgot about Badger. <laughs> headline skinny pete still skinny in the first <laughs> teaser of breaking bad which is true skinny pete was skinny it wasn't an ironic name no yeah so uh, here, here's one jeff are you like are you excited about this or, uh, or do I, you think they should leave it alone i wish they would have left it alone and i i like the i like the spoilers for the ending of breaking bad i like just seeing jesse pinkman just driving away and never knowing what happened to him and apparently this is going to tell us what happened to him so i like how they ended it with him but on the other hand, we all th- we thought Better Call Saul would be dumb as a prequel show or whatever, and it's turned out to be a fantastic show. So I have no doubt that this will actually be a really good movie. Yeah, they wouldn't put something out if it was bad. Except that it's on Netflix, so maybe they would. 
Yeah, I think Netflix has got no problem putting out mediocre <laughs> original content. Yeah, but if it's the same creators, they wouldn't sign up for something if no. they didn't if they weren't. Because Breaking Bad is one of the shows. I think was one of the first shows, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't when they say, oh, you know what, we need more time. So yep, they start. started that. They delayed was season by like six or eight months or whatever, just so they could write it better. Yeah, and, and that yeah, now it happens all the time. So, so the, tra- the trailer is out. You can see more of it on 680CJOB Instagram. And it is out. The movie will air on Netflix starting October 11th. Mark your calendar for El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. You going to watch it, McNabb? I think so. I don't know. Maybe like 10 years from now. That seems <laughs> Come on. Thing where You're I all like, caught up. Where people are like, right, you've never watched that? I'm like, I'll get to that in 2027. You've powered through all all of the episodes, and now this is one. It's a movie. I, I'm having a serious talk with myself, debate with myself, to give up Netflix for a little while. The binging is hurting me. Yeah, it's hard to binge. It, it's, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. It's, it's a commitment. I can't fall asleep because I'm like, ah, just do one more show or I can find something else. Make sure you subscribe to the Couch Potatoes podcast. Jeff Braun, thank you very much. After Global News at 9 o'clock. More on the death of the founder of the West End Cultural Center and Winnipeg Folk Festival. It's McGarry McNabb, Mackling back next week on The Start. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.